so if you have your Bibles, come with me to Jeremiah uh, chapter 6, uh, verse 16. So Jeremiah 6, uh, verse 16. And let me kind of give you a little lay of the land um, this morning so you can follow uh, the teaching a little bit. Um, the first little segment, we're going to look at um, what does it mean to stand at the crossroads? What does that look like on a, on a kiddo level, kiddo level, on an adult level, on a church level? So that's kind of the, like the first kind of segment. So we're kind of going to look at what does it mean, what does it look like to stand at the crossroads as a kid, uh, as an adult. And then the second part of the teaching is going to look at just one verse, Jeremiah 6, verse 16. Some of you say, well, how can you fill a half an hour with one verse? Well, I filled an hour with one word. So it's doable. Uh, and then the third little segment is, is applying these principles to us as a church. So we're going to look at what does it mean to stand at the crossroads? And then what is the Lord, how does the Lord help us when we're in that place? And then how do we apply it to the church? We, everybody good? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. And um, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, that you'd equip us uh, to follow after Christ uh, with passion. That you'd equip us, Lord, to love God and to love people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning is really a special day um, for us as a church. Um, on March 1st, uh, 1987, uh, we began meeting on Sunday mornings as a church at the Moody School in Lowell. And so today marks 35 years of worshiping the Lord together as a congregation. Um, we're not going to celebrate it today. Um, we're going to wait uh, until the warmer weather, probably in June sometime. And in June of 1986, that's when the Bible study began at my home in Bill Rickard that became the church that began in March 1st of 1987. So the vision I have for a celebration, I don't know if we'll, we'll be able to pull this off or not, but the vision I have is food trucks. Ooh, I heard the rumblings. And not just food trucks, but an ice cream truck. Like you know, with the you know the old ice cream trucks with the with the bells and the little annoying song that the kids respond to like wolves. You know, so that out in the field. So that that's kind of like the vision I you know I have, and I, I believe it's from on high. And you can't do that right now because 
because <laughs> there's snow <laughs> at the field, and it's all muddy. And so, so that's kind of uh, uh, that's kind of what's percolating in my mind and heart towards it. And so, but today marks uh, 35 years, you know, of worshiping the Lord together as a congregation. And, and in some ways, um, we are at, uh, you can fill in the blank here, we are at the crossroads in some ways as a church. And, and I want to express kind of what that looks like. But before I get to that, everyone can be assured of one thing in life is that you're going to face a crossroads in your life. And it's not really age-specific. You know, it's not, it doesn't pertain just to, to one decade of life. So like every decade of life presents to us a decision that has to be made. Do we turn to the left or we turn to the right? And when I was a boy... I went to uh, a parochial school. I went to St. Francis of Assisi Catholic School um, as a boy. And it didn't go too well for me as a boy. Um, now, this is not misogynist. It's just a boy talking. But I had all women teachers and a particular kind of women that we're, 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 what is it? See, that's the problem with me, you know. War. It was war. It really was as a boy. I had the flying nun hat on. You know, you look, you know what an F-16 looks like? Just think of an F-16 that's all black on someone's head. And they carried a big stick. And they, oh, they carried a big stick. And, you know, honestly, I just had a hard time as a boy and, and parochial, parochial school. It was so bad that when I got my report card in, in June and it had all C minuses or above, I was brought out for Chinese food. And my parents were relieved. We got them through. And as a boy, it didn't quite work for me. We had this one nun, and no disrespect to the, the nuns. It, it is, they are who they are. Back then, they are. But um, we had this one nun. We called her Sister Voodoo. <laughs> and this nun was huge. I mean, this, 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 this nun was as big as and looked very similar to Gronkowski. <laughs> and she was the enforcer nun. And I had this, this friend, it's too bad Joey Perello isn't here, he enjoyed his story. This guy, Eddie Lee, you know, Eddie Lee was a monster. He was a monster, he's a bully, he was a monster, he's a troublemaker. And this is no exaggeration at all. 
Eddie was, we're all supposed to be in line, you know, going through the hallway, and, you know, he's doing his typical bully stuff, you know, smacking people on the head, on the back of the head, and then looking away, and, but sister saw him, sister voodoo, and she came up to Eddie, and looked him right in the eye, and, and this is no, you know, hyper, hyperbolic preaching stuff, there's none of that, she grabbed him, like, like that, crumpled up his chest, and lifted him <laughs> eye to eye. And she says, you will stop this behavior now. And I was like, <laughs> I was in sixth grade. My father called me into uh, my mother in his bedroom and every time he would do that, that would not be a good sign. Be like, oh, I'm going to get it again. And he said, sit down. Here. I, I had problems growing up. Yep. I've been told not to use the congregation therapeutically. It's really, I mean, I really have experienced a good level of inner healing. <laughs> oh, this is embarrassing. Um, yeah, that's right, that's right. So he, he says, sit down. He goes, you know, I've got something to ask you. It's not going very well at St. Francis for you. So I want to give you an option. You can continue at St. Francis, or you can go to Roberts Junior High School, and you don't have to give me an answer now. I said Roberts Junior High School. <laughs> and it changed my whole life. Came to a crossroads where a decision had to be made. Our young people need to be equipped uh, and trained. You need to come alongside your young people and help them make good decisions based upon God's word. See, we, were all, we all will face crossroads. When I was in high school, I was a ninth grader. And when they, in, in Medford back in those days, like, they would ask you, like, what's your street, what's your name? Eddie Conway. What's your street address? 28 Fountain Street, Vogue. What's your name? Joe Perello. What's your address? 60 Fountain Street, Vogue. What's your name? Joe Fody. What's your address? 30 Fountain Street, vocational school. There were no kids from Fountain Street that would be assigned to go to the college level at the high school. As a ninth grader, Mr. Young, who's my science teacher, came to me and said, what are you doing here? Did I do something wrong? <laughs> it's like that Catholic guilt. And, uh, and I was at a crossroads. And he said, do you really want to stay here? And I made a decision. And it changed my whole life. And so crossroads are not exclusive to adults. Our kids deal with those type of decisions all the time. We've got some 14-year-olds in our church, right? 
Where are they going next year? They're going to high school, right? They're making decisions now as far as what courses they're going to take, you know, whether they're going to take, you know, at least in Billerica land, level twos, just trying to get by, level ones, we have to do at least some homework or honors where you're really going to be challenged. And they're at a crossroads in their life, and I, I, are you there to help them make those decisions? As a church, we found ourselves at a crossroads coming out of COVID. What is going to be our focus? How are we going to respond to the cultural influences of our day? What decisions are we going to make? I've been working with the leaders. The leaders are probably <laughs> tired of hearing this. They've been hearing this since January. There's been three areas where we have been significantly impacted as a church that depending upon how we respond to that will determine what the next 35 years will look like. I say, you intend to be here that long? <laughs> I love tormenting. Um, but those three areas are we have been saturated by media. The media has come into our church and has saturated us and polarized us and focused us like unprecedented ways as to what should be the focus of our church. I have never seen it like it is today. The second area that has come into our church is an ideological tribalism. In other words, what tribe do you belong to? What, what ideological focus is, is, is in your heart that you're giving your life to? And we have been impacted by a type of leadership that is charismatic in a small c, boisterous, powerful, divisive, and our church has come under the influence of saturated media saturating us from the outside, tribalism that's fractured our community, and leadership styles and examples that are destructive in people's hearts and lives. And so when we look at this crossroads that we're at, how do we respond to that? Come to Jeremiah 6, 16. Because Jeremiah sees the children of Israel coming to this place where they too have to make a decision. And Jeremiah writes this in Jeremiah 6, 16. He says, thus says Jehovah... He says, thus says the Lord God Almighty. Thus says the creator of the universe. 
It says, thus says the Lord. And then the Lord speaks, gives them four imperatives and a promise to help guide them when they come to the crossroads of their life. The children of Israel, both at the end of verse 6 and in verse 7, says, we'll have none of it. We're going to go our own way. And I hope that would not be your disposition towards the crossroads that you find yourself in. Whether, whether you're a sixth grader or whether you're an eighth grader that has to decide what is my journey going to look like for the next four years or whether you're a young guy that's ending their tour of duty, that's ending the four-year contract or the six-year contract, and you're saying to yourself, I'm at a crossroads. How do I make that decision? What's next? And so Jeremiah writes to the people that are, are, that are at that place, and he gives them four imperatives. The first one is in the Hebrew, amad, and it means to stand or to stop, to stop and to take a deep breath, to cease from your activities. And what that does is that first imperative, it, it, it causes you to create or make space so that you can hear the Lord so that you could hear what he would want to say to you. The second thing that we can see from the text as far as imperatives, he says to stand by the roads and look, raha, to make observation, to, to evaluate, to learn. And when we begin to stop, and look, we begin to access our heart and access our mind and access our spirit to the work of the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That's where these two imper these imperatives help us. We lean not on our own understanding. The third imperative that we can see from the text is sha'al, and it means to, to ask, to ask the Lord for specific direction, to inquire of the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways, acknowledge him. And when we pray, we say, we say in all effect that I am not the Lord of my life, that I'm looking to the one who is sovereign and in control of my life and knows the, knows the, best, the best path for me to take. I'm trusting in the Lord. And to ask the Lord is to express our dependency upon him our confidence in him, and the courage to know that he'll speak to us. Where are you? 
Where are we as a church? We're at this place where our focus, how we respond to media saturation, how we respond to the tribalism that has fractured our community, how we respond and what are the expectations for leadership in our, our midst, those things are all will determine wh- whether we turn to the right or to the left. Or The text says, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask. Ask for what? What should we ask for? Well, the Lord doesn't, the Lord doesn't leave them hanging. He tells them that this is the specific things I want you to look for. He says to look for a footpath, nafi, a a footpath that's used to describe moral purity or holiness. He says look for the path that, that has righteousness and that has godliness and that has holiness, that reflects the nature and character of God. He says to them to look for the path, the direct, which means a path that is well-worn, literally by constant walking. In other words, the path of the people that we know that have followed the Lord, the people that have lived their life in a way that has glorified God, that has modeled for us time and time again. That's the path we want to be on. Those are the people we want to journey through life with. The Lord says to them, find the ancient paths, olam, meaning the time before your elders, speaking of God's character and nature as revealed in the word of God. Find those paths. He says to find the good path, or tov, which means good, pleasant, beautiful, Delightful, glad, joyful, precious, correct, righteous. Find that path. Find the path of the ancient. Find the path that's well-worn. Find the path that will lead to righteousness and holiness and purity. Find the path that will glorify God in your life. The fourth imperative is to walk. It's shalak. It means, it means to pursue and to proceed, and it speaks of our, our manner of faith and confidence and trust in God. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. But even in his sovereignty, he never removes man's responsibility to take a step of faith and to trust him and to walk in those ancient paths, those paths that produce godliness and holiness in our lives. Those four imperatives guide us along when we come to those junctures, and if we choose to step into that path, there's a a great promise. Look at the text with me. And you you shall find what? Rest for your souls that place where you know that all is well between you and the Lord. 
Jesus offers us that in Matthew chapter 11. Listen to the words of Christ. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is what? My burden is light. When we look at these, this time in the life of our church where we're meteor and tribalism and leadership models that are anathema to who Christ is, what is our response to that? Well, our response to the media is to reinforce and to encourage that the word of God would have first place in your life. That instead of listening to the media of our day, that we would maintain as a church the value of expository, verse-by-verse teaching. Instead of listening to the world around us to listen to God as he speaks to us through his word. Yesterday we had a men's breakfast, and I was all prepared. I had my notes all lined up. And I did my little run and then came back and did my devotions. And God spoke. Something that I left out. Speaking of the heart that's necessary in dealing with other people. And the word of God and those daily devotions where we begin our day by focusing on prayer and focusing on the word of God, that is the remedy to the media saturation of our day. The, the remedy is not to increase the volume, but to focus the heart on God's word and let God speak to us. Is to keep church life simple as described in Acts 2.42, that they devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the apostles' doctrine, to the teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They met in the temple courts. They met in each other's homes. And God did amazing things. The remedy to tribalism is to have a church that focuses on Christ and his lordship and his authority that, we, that Christians only have one tribe, that we belong to the Lord and we belong to one another. And the tribalism of our day that has entered the church and has divided 
is an affront to the lordship and authority of Jesus Christ over his church. And so when you get pulled here and pulled here, and that becomes your, your, the ideal, ideologic disposition of your tribe becomes the central focus, you diminish Christ in our midst. That the unity that comes from the local assembly is where Christ is the Lord of the church, and we gather to worship and exalt him and to adore him and to follow after him. The remedy, the third thing, the remedy for the leadership crisis of our day is not going to be found in a charismatic, authoritarian, bully-type approach to leadership. It's going to be found in the Philippians 2 type of leadership. Let this same mind that was of Christ, let that. Who took the form of a servant, that is the remedy of the day. And so we stand here after 35 years, we stand here. And we have been whacked around for the last two years plus by voices from the outside saying, this is what a church should be. This is, what, this is the expression that you should do. And I reject that. Let the word of God Bring us direction and life. And let us reject the tribalism of our day and consider that Christ is the head of our church. And that the way to live life is to follow in the path of the cross and follow in the example of Jesus Christ who humbled himself, became obedient, even to the death of the cross, and the Father highly exalted him. Where we go from here is up to each one of us. What the next few years look like, it, it, it's, up to, it's up to you and me to choose that ancient path. Where God is exalted in the assembly of the people. Where his word is taught and lifted up. And where humility of heart is the hallmark of leadership. Would you sign up for that? Would you take that path? I'm tempted to go into full, full evangelistic Get out of your seats and come forward. <laughs> but there's a truth there, isn't there? To pray, Lord, save our church. Save us from ourselves. And Lord, may Christ be preeminent in our midst. May his word be cherished 
And may we have humble hearts to serve one another. Say amen. Let's prepare our hearts to 